Hello, hello everyone. This is Zeta Grace again. That's Z-E-D-A-G-R-A-C-E. I'm with Matt Zanelato. He's on Instagram, M-Z-A-N-E-L-L-A-T-O. He is a former Penn State wide receiver. Penn State University is a D1 school currently in the Big Ten division. He played football there for four years, and his freshman year was a bit of a debacle, if you know anything about Penn State history. We're just going to go ahead and jump right in, mostly because I recorded three episodes with him at once, and I didn't do intros for the second or third episode, so I don't have them. You live and you learn. So without further ado, here we go. With me being a female athlete in gymnastics slash equestrian in particular, the mental abuse of coaches almost, I don't think you get to those levels unless you have a certain almost abusive mentality for coaching. Yeah, which, you, yeah because so much of it when you were a kid, if you weren't able to like take... It's channeling like, adversity. Yeah, exactly. And if you were able to take adults treating you like a fellow adult at a young age, being hard on you, holding you accountable when you were a kid... Mm-hmm. And like cluck situations and coaches being very hard on you. Even if you're God-givenly athletic, if you can't learn to be pushed and have coaches push you, like you're never going to make it to any type of peak or high level of athleticism. Mm-hmm. Like you're never going to make it to being a college-level athlete, professional-level athlete. Yeah. You aren't able to allow a coach to rip you and go out and still get better. But yeah. then... Uh, I think it's almost hard to translate being an athlete into being almost politically correct because I don't think anything about any of the coaching styles. It prepares me for the real world, for sure. If we had to do a documentary about half of the shit that I've been through in life, it would be fucked up. <laughs> and I think that's the norm for most athletes, especially those who perform at D1 college levels. That's why the NCAA Bill of Rights is coming out. Me staying naive to the realities of what is healthy and like a healthy dynamic helped me in sports. Mm-hmm. It's also annoying because I'm so talented as the result of that kind of coaching and upbringing. So it's hard because while I wouldn't put someone else through it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, I guess what was interesting to me. I'm not ungrateful. Oh, 100%. And that's why, like, I have I, boundaries now. I guess, like, my, like, perspective on different coaching styles really started in high school because I attended one high school for three years, Robinson, where the head coach at the time was extremely authoritarian, dictator. Like, it was like he had military, like, he had, our freshman coach was a former Marine. Yes. Old school. See, and, maybe and, that's and because, why I'm like, not as deterred by male sports as much is because I grew up playing, like, running playing track on naval bases. Yeah. I grew up doing 5Ks against Marines. Not yeah. against kids my age. Against mm-hmm. Marines. Yeah. In weighted vests and yeah, shit so, like that. That so was like, normal. So yeah, so like, yeah, so, like, growing up and going through, like, my freshman, sophomore, junior year with that program, which was so hardcore physical it was also the offense they ran was this downhill football mm-hmm. and then i transferred to another school which was our rival that the head coach was complete players coach they related to the players mm-hmm. would shoot the shit with us bullshit talk like this was a very down-to-earth guy Such and nice like and he was a players coach where he wasn't gonna stress sweat the small shit and he liked talking shit and like he was just I don't know, very few of my guys i played high school football with my close inner circle friends like having anything to bass at right? our, our head coach because he was just like kept it 100 with us who at a time so much of coaching in my opinion is coaches skewing or bullshit kind of twisting yeah. truths to the kids 
And I respect my high school coach that one year because he kept it one. He kept it one hundred. Like us. children are stupid. So yeah, and like they're not they're not perceptive. They're we not gonna hide read through the shit. reality of it. And so my dad raised me basically hiding a lot of re- like he would tell me some things. He pointed out the spot that a girl was abducted behind the library and don't take candy from strangers or follow people into the woods. That kind of stuff was instilled in us. But then did he also sit there and say we were whores for exploring our sexuality? Yeah. So I started to piece things together about ways I did not like the world or that was like mm-hmm. routed in patriarchal masculinity mm-hmm. from a young age, but I didn't know the meaning to it until yeah. I'm older. And so now that I'm older, I'm like looking back, this is fucked up. <laughs> this is making me way more mad now. Well, well, yeah, that's why like the story of me basically being hazed into the varsity football team my freshman year was... Like I made varsity. In we got back. We got back from camp. College. High school. And I made varsity as a freshman. I'm 14 years old. It's not like I thought I was hot shit, but like sorry that I made varsity. And the older guys were like, "Okay, we need to put him in his place. This guy thinks he's hot shit." So one of the first practices back, because we went away. From, this is also like what was very your high school dynamic. What do you mean? Just a brief overview. Oh, so of like how big so Rob so Robinson and like Braddock are class six division like triple A football in Virginia. Okay. So we graduate. About 750, 800 kids per class. Wow. So like every high, so every high, high school, school has had 330 graduating. Yeah. So like we had like 700, 800 people per class. So that means like 3,200. Yeah. Like over 3,000 kids in just the and high schools. And then what was insane is that. was the minority? No, that was the, um, that was the high school that went, that was like the middle school okay. and public school system. Predominantly my brother white. Um, yeah. Fairfax, prom- yeah. Fairfax, so nice. Right yeah, here. yeah, exactly. Predominantly okay. white. Um, but like Robinson was a little more, had probably a higher percentage of whites and less diversity than like Braddock I attended the second school. But what's crazy about both high schools is that it wasn't just a high school nine through 12, it was a secondary school. So you had grades seven through 12. So those classes were about, you know, six, 500. So you're talking about over almost four plus thousand kids being in a school every day. You count all the teachers and people that work there, over 5,000 people in high school every day. So it's extremely okay. large. And when I was a freshman at Robinson, I got back from camp. It was insane, our football camp, because we literally go away for a you week. You guys have a football camp in yeah. high school? Yeah, in high school. So this camp, it was called Camp Varsity. Very few, no freshmen were invited. It was all basically sophomores or seniors. Sounds like a rich people thing. <laughs> yeah. and We did not have that And in the you country. legitimately... Go away for four or five days. Practice three times a day. Ours are like turkey bowls that you just are like, hey guys, uh, call up your friends in the neighborhood. See whose parents can bring yeah. them over. But we legit go to sleepaway camp, have practice. And when we came back, I made varsity. My QB was like, okay, we're in. You know, put him in his place. So first practice back, right after a water break, I run a slant and he throws this ball extra high. So I have mm-hmm. to jump up to catch it. I catch it. And then next thing you know, they set up the linebacker coming flying over towards me and completely decks me into the ground. Like, yeah. just leveled me. And I, I, I'm i on the ground trying to get the strength to get up, all I, 14 years old. And my receiver coach is like, if you don't get your fucking ass off the fucking dirt this fucking second, I will fucking end you. And I pull myself to my feet, go basically limping past my head coach, p- proceed to throw up because I was concussed. Turning back around. I had a concussion, without, too. Yeah, no, I mean, I got completely laid out. Yeah. One of the side effects of concussions or... Yeah, no, no, yeah. no. The throwing up so is I threw the up. problematic. Now, yeah. this is in 2007, 2008. 
did a single athletic trainer come over to talk to me? No, I turned around and like was back in playing the next play. Yeah. And and the, and the receiver coach that was swearing at me to get the fuck off the ground later became the AD of the high school. But yeah, that was my freshman year. So that kind of like crazy, okay, we gotta haze him and show him who, and put him in his place type of thing was insane. See, my freshman year, <laughs> when I played football, <laughs> I hate that I can say that. So first off, I would wear glittery eyeliner just to piss off all the guys because it annoyed everybody. Because, you know, God forbid there be a girl on the team. Second, I was interviewed by NBC News. So I made national news out of Washington, D.C. for doing it. What was your position? So when I moved into high school, I was running track and playing soccer. And so I could technically only am supposed to do, you know, one sport. No. I ended up graduating high school with 14 varsity letters. That's insane. I know, it's so, it's so weird. But that's kind of, you can do that more in country yeah, you schools. And no, it's you, like can, smaller, you can do that here. There are, there are people that play multi sports in yeah. one season, and it's insane. Yeah, I just, like 14, I'm that's so obnoxious. ADHD that I have to be moving constantly. Yeah, and you have to be that structured. And I'm I was the same so way. good at it, and I need every. I was, I was the same way. How much, how much better were you in college when you were in season with your classes than out of season? Because of like, well, early, I, especially I, in high school. In high Which school, so much more. I tried. I started the walk-on process for track because I missed competing and I didn't. Like, I got to UNC and I drank for the first time in my life. I didn't have to, you know, go to class. Nobody was accountable for me or anything, and it was a little too much freedom. That's what empowering women's does. Apparently, I don't like having that decision. <laughs> I need more structure, and I didn't realize how related sports was in that structure. Which is also why it's so alarming that the rates at which women drop out of sports are so much more problematic compared to men because it's seen as- At like high school or like college? Or all, through general? All ages. All ages so yeah. women's sports aren't more profitable because yeah, no. we just assign basically. Which is like- If I, they had I, the resources, they would be more profitable. If men would stop complaining and would like maybe look at it. Women's soccer is one of the most interesting sports oh, because the mentality of it you know women's soccer is, is like so much fun it helped me I, a lot I, 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 I can, women's soccer i can watch like competitive like role like when the women's world cup is on that it's like way different than the guys so, it's such a different game but it's still kind of the same is like short attack moves and flair so mm -hmm. you have all this you know you have all women's so much more Christiano ball 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 control falls ball. off the ball half the time and it's interesting to watch teams like Barcelona play men's soccer because the right they way. control the ball. So even Brazil. when they might not win, they control the game so well and it's mental. And as an intellect, that's what interests me about sports. So in football, I'm not drawn to just raw talent in the form of someone like Michael Vick, who's a piece of shit person. Mm -hmm. I'm drawn to stuff like Eli Manning, who just reads the game very well and doesn't always have the words to explain how he reads the game very well because that's all he does is football. He just eats, sleeps, and yep. breathes football. You know, good old he's, capitalism. He, he, and He's a quiet work. guy. Yeah, and so I like seeing the people who just have these mental mm -hmm. abilities with the game and it's not just the physical. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we get just drawn to like the flashier sides of stuff that I just, it's hard for me not to look down on with disdain. The fact that people gravitate 
towards that stuff is a weakness. Yeah. Because to me, anyone with a sound palette for logic would mm. be more drawn to that side of the sport or be able to make mm. those distinguishes. Or if you watch the NFL year after year after year, maybe at some point you would sit there, why do I actually enjoy this so much? What about these 18-year-olds do I just find so enticing? Yeah. They're just people. It was still a weird thing. Play playing at Penn State where you have people that treat you like, like legitimate celebrities. Like and it's, just, it's a weird, so it's, a, it's such a weird feeling that none of us ever discuss really. Oh. It's Were weird you that cool like, in high school? Huh? Were you cool in high school? Um, when I went to Robinson. Like objectively, you know. You no, can... when I attended Robinson, I did not hang out with the it crowd because I like, we didn't drink. Uh-huh. We didn't really do drugs. We were very straight and narrow. And then when I transferred to Lake Braddock, I started hanging out with what would be the like the in crowd and drank in high school and did that. And like end of junior year, throughout senior year. And then I guess what was different about Robinson is that even though I was a star football player, I wasn't a senior. So I was always one of the younger kids. I was a really uh-huh. good player. It wasn't like you were the big bad senior. I never that hung kind out of... with my teams because none of my teams had a good social cohesion mm-hmm. because in... Southern Maryland, there's, I played travel ball for all of my serious sports. So since I was doing three sports a day, I would just go from practice to to practice to practice with all these different teams. Yeah, you never really got to hang out with just one. You didn't just travel, hang out with your downtime with your soccer team. I I didn't have downtime. Exactly. (laughs) But at Lake Braddock, I kind of a different dynamic just because I transferred it. And then it became like a ridiculously large deal. Like when I left and like the, all the crazy shit started and. Washington posted like the whole spread on it and it was just it was kind of an insane time senior year you know being a track athlete I think there's absolutely no misconceptions about how cool you are as an athlete even at like a d1 level you could be the fucking star track athlete at your school nobody gives a shit unless you're like Grant Holloway at Florida he's yeah. pretty well known oh uh, yeah is that the white boy no Who, who's the white boy from Texas that runs like a sub 10 second hundred Matt Bowling. I hate that I know that. Yeah, see, come on. He ran a sub <laughs> ten second he ran a sub ten second hundred in high school. That's freakish. No, because I went to high school with Devin Smith. Moo I know. Moo and <laughs> Mumu was that fast. was on our national 4x2 team yeah. that broke the national record every single meet they ran because yeah. they, they just kept resetting their own records. And I dated the one white guy on the team when I was a freshman. And he, so Mumu went to a, a, a high school in my county. <laughs> this is just explain how strange Southern Maryland is. The high school I went to is where Good Charlotte graduated from. And they have those lyrics that say, in my high school, it felt more to me like a jail cell penitentiary. So that should explain what a jail it is. Matt Salee from Pentatonics also went to my high school. My mom taught him. That's hilarious. <laughs> in middle school. Black China is from our neighboring school. So that should also explain the diversity and yeah. just like, the area we're from. Mumu went to the other high school. And Mumu went to another high school. And so the school Mumu went to is kind of similar to the one Black China went to. Gotcha. And his school had a phenomenal track program, like great coaches. And every single one of those guys went pro in either track or football. But most of them have had issues because of socioeconomic status areas. Because Mumu transferred during the... Mar- to Marshall. Yeah. He didn't transfer during the poll. He didn't transfer during the whole Sandusky stuff, which we can now 
Good segue too. Yeah. Well, he transferred because he kind of got in trouble with dealing weed in college. So him and like a few other teammates that lived in his apartment, they all got busted. Oh, speaking of, as random as it is, the best friends of my high school boyfriend, who was a piece of shit, but his friends were, you can, don't judge them off of the following story I'm about to say, but his best friend's older brothers were from Jamaica and got in trouble during the war on drugs for selling weed. Now that I'm relearning about the war on drugs and how subjective all of that stuff was, it is really reshaping my mindset on how I think about our criminal justice system. They profitize it. It's such an uphill battle getting weed decriminalized because the amount of people that are incarcerated making other people money by being in jail. Make money in my hometown at all, and it's all related to DC and the strip clubs and all of that stuff too. Yeah. Long story short. There's a much longer story about the transfer and everything, but I ended up getting a scholarship to Penn State, which was my dream school at the time because my parents met at Purdue. My mom got her master's at U of M. So my first experience witnessing college football was at Michigan in the big house, 100 plus thousand people. Uh, did they raise you to be big college football people? Not really because my family's not big football people. My dad likes football. When I was growing up, it wasn't like I had a, like it wasn't like my dad always watched, you know, football on Sundays. That was our big Sunday thing or watching college football yeah. on Saturdays. That wasn't See, my mine upbringing. mine is a huge huge football like like people, we, we, we we liked it and like we definitely all the super bowl super bowl parties and like we love i love the colts my dad's a bears fan when my grandpa died my dad wrote the eulogy and i had to go down to florida and i stayed with my aunt because mm-hmm. sorry i just kind of derailed that but no that's fine my dad wrote the eulogy for my grandpa's funeral like it's his dad and he's the oldest but it was all about him refereeing football that's all I think you remember you telling me that. It was like two paragraphs of all the different teams he refereed for. And I'm like sitting there going, did you know anything? Do you ever sit there as a player and think back to your refs? No. No, you Never. don't. So They're like, inconsequential. And for you to think that you have that much of an impact on people because you're somehow in a position of power within it's that weird small that I, setting. That was the interesting thing for me was like my senior year weirdly becoming a recognizable name throughout like our community. Because my brother won four state championships in swimming. My dad coached some. My mom had been coaching mm-hmm. the county for a while, in the area for a while. So like, there's not a lot my of names. My brother name. won a state championship for baseball and then NCAA championship. Exactly. So I got to my senior year mm-hmm. and transferred. And then I started having all the success at the beginning of my senior year. That's when the Washington Post was like, hey, we're going to come do like a legit big ass article about about you transferring the cover of the sports page had a picture of me and had like a prelude to my story i was like what like way too much so much exposure more exposure than i ever got in my entire life and i was playing football at an extremely high level and doing well and it was this weird becoming the centerpiece of this huge feud between yeah. me and my former school and it was such an interesting oh, experience because like awkward yeah no it was they burned my jersey in the parking lot they like school? they vandalized my house before the game my some kids i went Who to school they? with some children no robinson like kids i went to robinson mess around my house they burned my jersey in the parking lot they had these big posters that had my face lebron james and johnny damon because we all transferred when he went to the heat and johnny damon went to the yankees they hate and then my school the kids from my school went to robinson vandalized robinson like put pictures of my me so this is the thing i think is important about athletes as celebrities athletes are only celebrated as long as they continue to perform well And that, I think, is self-regulating to an extent because you think they must be doing something right, you know? 
And I think it's important for people in positions of influence or communal influence to be aware that things could turn on them at any moment. Because without that, there's a sense of unrestricted power, I think, that gets facilitated. So Nick Saban knows that nobody's challenging Alabama's program for any kind of capitalist intake because what do you mean? Oh, like judging them for how much money they pull in? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that that was like the... Nobody's judging them. Nobody's going to come after him. If he has to pay a sanction, it's going to be a slap on the wrist. Yeah, because he's so the SEC tied can do, up in the SEC his can private do they businesses. Want. We just blink and look the other way while he gives every single athlete a car. But then we'll, you know, go after the small D1 athletes at like a random private school who don't have the funds to defend themselves yeah. publicly. Or don't and, have no, don't have the recognition or who they yeah. are. They don't have the power to vote. Yeah, to like because, silence like, like the UNC, for example, like stuff. UNC, the whole fucking the shooter thing. It's like really, it's like you don't think that I'm like you fucking. You really think that people at Alabama or Clemson or fucking my ex boyfriend was State, a track athlete and just used to get wads of cash slipped in envelopes under his door, and he was track. Nobody gave a fuck about track. Like I said, track athletes have never had this conflated and importance of what it means to be a d1 athlete you know like when you tell people you're an athlete people are like oh you played d1 football people sit there and are like oh okay like you're a good athlete for track but nobody ever sits there and tries to actually talk to you about track because nobody gives a fuck about it i would i would no but it's completely unimportant in the grand scheme of it you know well i'm an athlete so i'd ask be like oh what are your events what was your prs what was your best meet like i would ask questions like that but some people still interested in it for like superficial stuff and for track it's a cardiorespiratory way of proving your dominance against yourself because it's against your own time yeah but which like, is different from other sports that was one argument i used to have with a friend in college kate and we would always debate about what is the most pure sport or what is like the most difficult sport gymnastics and, and wrestling 100%. and like we she her argument which i, I well, her, her, her <laughs> argument which i agree upon or in terms of like what's harder to be the best at your sport and I'd say like gymnastics and wrestling. I say track. Track is I, I say track. Tra- is I say, I say track. I say type I say, of mental thing. Is, it is. I say track because like the, her argument was that in football is so subjective. She, I will she's say like, track she's like, she's if like football. It's the pentathlon or the heptathlon. Yeah, or yeah, those ones De- or decathlete. Yeah. Be, but otherwise, it's wide it's, it's just so specialized to yeah. yeah. Well, her whole point was that people, once they get to the peak of their speed, will train mm-hmm. for years just to shave off a hundredth of yes. a second. But I don't, I think that's stupid. I think that's idiotic. See, this is the part of why I think we care so much about how many fucking Olympic medals we win. And it makes no sense because does it matter that someone's trying to shave off a tenth of a second? No, that shit does not matter. What are you doing? Inspiring your local community because you're literally not investing any of your time in actually being a good person or funding communal programs or running. Are you teaching track? Are you coaching it to yeah. others? If you, if so, that's great. But if all you're doing is working on shaving off zero one seconds off of a hundred meter dash for the entire year, I don't give a shit about what you do. Yeah, it's too easy. It's I, too I don't broad. Care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That is not important. Like, but what's, 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 are what's, what's, you aware what's, of what's going on with our climate currently? Oh, without a doubt. My question is... You don't think you can contribute positively to that in any other sense? Just 
spend your time doing things of worth and capitalism just allows people to harness playing games mm. our country is a perfect example of play stupid games win stupid prizes because now nobody cares about actually being a good person we're all just shitty influences who only want to be professional athletes yeah and that's all we care about that's all we invest our time in otherwise you live in poverty fucking stupid ass country we live in really pisses me off. Tell me, how you, tell me how you really feel. Mm-hmm. It annoys me. Anyways, I'll, go back to your lovely Jerry Sandusky, Joe Paterno era. story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, just to lighten the mood. Yeah, right. Everyone thinks they're like, oh, you chose Penn State because... My mom went to Penn State. She loves Penn State. She knew Joe Paterno. She's devastated. Yeah. So... Not handle that well. Everyone assumed that I went to Penn State because of like Joe, and that was a big part of it. Also, Carreri was the receiver coach that recruited me. Going to Penn State, going there to play for Joe and play for a receiver coach that like truly believed in me. Yeah. At a high level. And I guess like the biggest difference for me was that like, I had imposter syndrome for so long mm-hmm. when I was there. A lot of it because I know, because my receiver coach believed in me and thought that I was going to be at that level was gone because of the scandal mm-hmm. within, I got there in June and the whole scandal broke in November, I believe. So five months into my college tenure, the coach brought me in that truly believed in me was gone. That's also what's important about imposter syndrome to point out is the majority of women will have it at some point because it's related to your representative figures that you can physically visualize yourself in. But there was not any white wide receivers. Mm -hmm. So you didn't have as many tangible role models almost to see yourself as. And that's what's important for representation in every other industry. Right now, AOC is pretty open about having imposter syndrome as a young, especially a woman of color in Congress. Yeah. And that's why the majority of women, especially women in STEM or women in positions of power in our country are going to constantly be having imposter syndrome for at least a few decades until it's the norm yeah. for women to be in those positions. AOC is the best. I didn't mean to derail your Joe Paterno story mm. with feminism. No, you're fine. What was like the team atmosphere affected around mm. it? Like, how so did they it was tell like- you guys? What, that the whole scandal happened? Yeah. There was no sit-down meeting like this happened. It broke, and it was just everywhere. You couldn't even like, avoid it. It leaked that... Did your teammates send you a group chat or something? No. I remember when they fired Joe, I didn't know... I feel like I probably read about it on Barstool or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I just remember when they fired Joe, like, we just got back from study hall, and I went to my room. Me and all our teammates, like, we would go from study hall to, like, this little grill place, get some food go hang out and we go back to our dorms and i was one of the last the people place where they get stickies no that's downtown that's the that's it's the only place my mom talks about yeah so we go to the mix which was in paul commons and we would get food and then go back to our dorms and i was working in my dorms i'm putting myself down and one of my teammates comes in my room and goes like yo this is so fucked up what are you talking about he's like turn your tv i just flipped on espn and he's like, and like it's literally our football program all, is imploding yeah, yeah exactly they're like yeah, paterno's fired well, like, it was, it was crazy the entire week because, like, this story broke on, like, Sunday night, early Monday, and then from Monday and from... Was it during the season or was it... It was. It was, during, it was the week after our bye week, so it was the week we were supposed to play Nebraska. The scandal <laughs> broke on Monday. From that point on, there were 30, 40 news media groups, oh, like, God. cameras and anchors, sat outside our building all the time. They were on campus looking for us. 
They were outside some people's apartments. They were just in our face all the time asking questions. And it was just insane dealing with that. And then when he got fired, I just could hear like the, I could like literally open up my blinds, be on the third floor and see people running towards old men. Actually me and my brother like ran to each other downtown during the riots. And it was just insane. Oh, Cause there, like there, there were riots. Yeah, no, they I don't think I realized there were riots. No, I have to show you the videos I have from that. It was they insane. Call riot police. Yeah, they call them riot police, tear Who gas. Was rioting? All the students, because they fired Joe and they fired Joe over the phone. So basically what happened was on like the scandal broke on Monday, Wednesday or Thursday, Joe had this impromptu team meeting. So this is when this is what was crazy. I'm in class. I'm in a random LER, labor employment relations class Mm -hmm. with two other freshmen and two other guys that were kind of older. Why were they rioting because they fired Joe? Because because Joe's... I understand he reported it and they were like, okay, we'll take care of it. It's out of your hands or whatever. But I just don't so like, permit. The next night there so, was a no, so, big change in the the students' reaction. It was a visual for the victims, and there was there was a different atmosphere. The first uh, night that it broke, that they fired him though over the phone. It was late at night. It wasn't like it kind of got released and then it kind of made the news media. No, they called him over the phone and did it. And is it what, that much better though to do it in person? So this this man coached there for like 40 plus years, donated okay. millions. Of, so when he won his 400th game, Phil Knight gifted him $4 million. Saying, so did the conservative leaders in our country. Should we continue to flaunt all the great things they did? Of course not. No. But like Joe was a good person. He was a coach that coached at extremely high level, but was known for academics. Like Outside he, of the fact, he was a great person outside of the fact that he essentially like, looked the other way, way yep. for years and years and years, knowing so, that his assistant was... No, but no, hold on. A few things. Knowing that his assistant was doing this. He coached with Jerry Sandusky for 30-ish years, like 20, 30 years, a long, long time. And Jerry had the most evil cover for why he was why he was able to become this predator that well, her sure children over years and years. Because he was abused. It's not no no. It's not that. So my point being is that if, like when if he, we my, find my, that my, out later though, I will not be surprised, surprised me either. And his and his, and his son was his son was. But Jerry, what I'm saying is that when you said that like Joe Paterno like willingly covered this up to look the other way. The reason why I'm saying Jerry had the perfect cover for all this, because it's not like he abused one kid and it came out. He had 40-something yeah. plus victims. Yeah. And what made it terrible is that the reason why he was able to do this for it's so long... the ones we know of, too. Exactly. The reason why he had such a perfect cover is because he was from that area, and basically he invented this, this, prof, this company or this program called The Second Mile, where he it was basically a YMCA, but... Not YMCA, but it was basically like taking kids from terrible foster homes yeah. in the system and giving them a second chance of life. So like when he had kids around him in the program yeah. and like fall, shadowing him at practice, no one was like, why does Jerry have some random eight-year-old well, hanging like out without practice? teachers. So in the county I worked in, we've had a number of teachers who were pedophiles. That's insane. When you have any system of power in general, you're going to have people who seek out those positions to abuse them. That's also the reason that transparency, especially in leadership, is so important and why I do think we need to address it in Mm -hmm. our country. 100%. Because we do need to normalize having flaws. And with pedophilia in particular, it's different because in like European countries some of the more progressive ones that do have better public health programs treat it as if they do like a medical illness. So 
everyone has intrusive thoughts at times. It's the same type of mentality, but people are able to seek help in our country because of the religious undertones largely. It's impossible to ever seek help for anything. And we have religious sect after religious sect who is hiding pedophilia within their churches, but we don't tax them. We don't require any kind of honesty or accountability through it. Yeah, because God did that separation between church and state. It's so outrageous. So not only does it keep you from achieving your own like spiritual awakening in a sense to where you can accept your flaws, it's built on guilt. Mm. So you have a hurdle to getting yourself help as is because you feel like something's wrong with you. Yeah. And it's just, it's really frustrating. I don't think it's helping anybody. I think it's just... That'd be an interesting question to poise to say that like, do you <laughs> think there's a higher percentage of pedophiles in the United States Oh, absolutely. Or, or, not, or not just pedophiles in the United States, but ones who have actually, how many acts they cause because of the fact that in oh, other, in other, other countries, in, in, yeah, in other, no, I'm saying, I would yeah, in, I'm saying because they're so repressed, then all of a sudden it gets so built up that that's when absolutely. the action happens rather than if they sought help. And It's also hard studying true crime because you learn and in having a public health background, you understand cycles of abuse. If you treat people like animals, like in our prison system, they're going to act like animals. We study animals in relation to almost every other sociological behavior that we have. Mm. Why do we sit there then and just go, oh, fuck it. It's up to you to function as a human society and make it easier to be a bad human. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> like, no. we're well, it's logically, it's, it's in we're every, prioritizing the like, wrong thing. I feel like you look at so much in our country, like the flaws in our country. Mm-hmm. Everything is everything comes back to where the bottom line and where the money is. It's in all the money. Why is it so hard to delegalize things when... Like, why is a country heavy not coming in terms of legalizing marijuana? And why? There's so many things that, as a country, we profit off. Holding Sandusky accountable meant less profit for Penn State football and liability on Penn State football's program. That's probably why it took so long. For what? For them to charge him? Or yeah. No, they tried gathering the information. What was messed up was, so like we said, Joe was covering for Jerry. No, he reported it, but yeah. He reported. You still it, like, stay silent, and you still work along somebody. No, he for no years. no. He, at, at the t- at the time, he wasn't working alongside of them. The time they're working alongside of them, but it wasn't very long after that that the guy was gone. Mm-hmm. Like Jerry was gone, and then all that came up way later. But what? I just really I doubt. He was so allowing him to use the facilities. Mm-hmm. I struggle I, to I, say I, that just because what we know has come out of it that that was I guess, only when it began. So, no, I think no, 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 not our, that. I'm sorry. I always feel like people in our society ignore a lot of signs or like oh, problematic oh, behavior leading up to it. 100%. And I'm sure there was an extensive list of things that he overlooked and was just like, oh, he's just like that. I think it was more, I don't know. I think because- We'll I, never know, but- No, no, we'll never know. It's like, have you ever, there's a great book written by, uh, author's name slips on line, but- it's a psychopath test. My mom. Oh, no. And it's like a journey through the madness industry. And it's all about... God, now I'm drawing a blank on his name, too. The Bob O'Hare psychopath test. So there's a basically the way in which we study psychopaths for a very long period of time. We still use the same rules and how in which you diagnose uh-huh. them. One of like the core things is the complete lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. And... Being able to be extremely manipulative and convince people. And that's why you people who are con artists that can live completely mm-hmm. separate lives 
and convince yep. people of crazy things. So I Look guess Look at I guess, how many Christian men just have separate families. Exactly. And I guess my point is that having been a coach now for five years, I can only imagine what that had to feel like to be Joe. To spend 30, so the best example I can use of this is I, I spoke with a coach that I worked with at Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. His name is Bill Kenny, and he is tight ends coach there. And he was on staff with Paterno, and he knew Jerry. Like he was on staff with Jerry. Yeah. And me and him had this very they long. Were, they were both coaching there when my mom was running track there. Mm-hmm. So she, obviously being a, one of the started like track athletes, interacted a lot with them. Yeah. So, but like Bill Kenny, you know, coached alongside of him, and me and him had this really long conversation. Yeah, like the day after, like the week after the <clears throat> sent, uh, the HBO movie Paterno, you know, dropped on like the trailer dropped. Mm-hmm. And me and him had this long conversation about it because I was thinking about taking another job, and me and him had this like two, three hour long conversation about all this stuff. But it was one of the first times we talked extensively about the whole Sandusky thing because it was like his perspective as a coach and mine as a player. Yeah. It was the first time in my life I got to talk to a coach that was on staff living through I can't through believe it. that and they didn't set you up to – I can't believe the team didn't do more though to address that. I would have thought that would be super traumatic to go through as a uh, team atmosphere from a collegiate standpoint. And to me, from an administrative viewpoint, I would have thought even just liability wise, you know, for the good of the school, it would have made sense to set you guys up with both group and individual therapy. therapy. Yeah. 2011 people weren't thinking like that as much. It's crazy though. Because like think about the conversation about mental health has changed completely so much in the last decade. But like you were 18 years old when mm -hmm. that happened. Yep. What was insane about- And it impacted your, it was something that wasn't even related to you. But caused a significant impact. Yeah. Yeah. On every aspect of your life, Mm -hmm. including your financial security essentially. Yeah. Because that was probably... Yeah, they were, talking about, sh- they were talking about shutting it down. Yeah. yeah. I was like, talking to Bill Kenny about it. And I, talking with him, I could see like the pain he felt. Because understanding how coaching... Fam- like now that I've been on the other side of the lines and been around coaches and mm-hmm. coaches at D1 programs and see how much their families interact, how close they are. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact like Bill Kenny has had his children play at like Sandusky's family house. Yeah. For like years. And if you're Paterno, your kids, all of your kids have grown up alongside sleepovers, vacations, so much time spent together as families. Yeah, but most of the abuse... So so, or not to be not sure about something like that, and then to hear 45 counts against them. But my point being is that I asked Bill, Bill literally told me, Zay, I'm not going to lie to you, I had a gun in my head right now, and they were to ask me whether or not he did it. If I answered incorrectly, I'd be shot. He's I'd probably be dead on the ground. Because it was, for him... As like a father and I guess a Catholic, which is, you know, even worse. But it's this inherent belief in the good of people, which is important in society. You do have to find balance because you can't, not everyone can just walk around as chipper as I am and, you know, just love everybody. But you have to understand that every single person, including the people in leadership, are capable of not meeting your expectations Mm -hmm. we don't do that because of like patriarchal military you don't question it and that has somehow sequestered itself into every aspect of our society in a way that is problematic because it's so true i I haven't really thought about like that or it's cancel culture so we hold women in power to completely different standards that we hold men we sit there and analyze their sex lives as if it's somehow relevant to Mm -hmm. their intelligence 
No, it's not. Those yeah. are completely different. Ask men what kind of designers they're wearing, by all means. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, super. it shouldn't, none of that shit should matter for what some of them are doing. And instead, they just treat them completely differently. Mm. And it's just, oh, I just, it's very annoying. Do you think if you had to go back and choose Penn State again, would you still do it knowing that that was going to happen your freshman year? It, yeah, I probably would have maybe probably consider not going there just if i could have foreseen if i could obviously see in the next four years of what i would have had to endure with all the coaching changes and everything like that from the paternal to o'brien o'brien to franklin if i could have seen that coming i probably wouldn't have i probably would have chosen to go elsewhere but yeah hindsight being 2020 i might have made different decisions it was also interesting because when the sanctions came down after o'brien was Do our you head think coach you would just Sorry, keep going. Sorry, I'll I'll ask after. No, ask it. I was gonna say, do you think if you had to go back now in general, you would even put as much of a priority on college football, or do you think you would maybe choose a smaller school like how Natalie is going to a school that um, isn't like Big Ten, so it's not as pipeline for professional, and they balance things a little bit better. Um, because it's hard because to be like yeah. enjoyed and yeah, but I, I wanted. I feel like a lot of it is like what's so unfortunate about the way you go in that culture in football is that if you're not producing and you're not excelling at it, it's miserable because of the work that you do to be average at it compared to the people. So for example, if you're if you're playing, even if your team's not always winning, you're still playing, and so yeah. the recognition that comes with My that is like a, the recognition you get for putting all the bullshit work yeah. in. He was a bullpen catcher for South Carolina's and yeah. College World Series team yeah. that went back to back to back in the national oh, no, championship. UVA, yeah, no, you, like Grayson Griner, Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah. No, Bryce Harper. No, so really, yeah, Bryce's I'm brother really. played. Bryce would come and take batting practice though because he was in high school and so for my brother I think he struggles because he was a bullpen catcher and you only in baseball you only have one catcher Mm -hmm. they play 91 games a season for D1 you don't do anything other than that but they're seen as gods Mm -hmm. so it's worth it yeah because all of that hard work is paying off in outward like external validation exactly and that's and that's why like i would probably not have chosen a smaller school just because i just would have gone about my career differently in the way in which how much extra time i probably could have spent doing football to affect my craft and partied probably less and focused a little more on football that's what's frustrating for me do you actually think you needed to devote more time to football though aren't those i know a lot i didn't look at football as i didn't get to enjoy it because the coaches i played for didn't make it enjoyable for me and because even though i could have been good enough to play so like a lot of this kind of validated recently but it was just one of those things where not being not doing all that work not playing even though you were just as good as some of the other teammates that were playing and never getting a chance to prove yourself part of it had to do with me getting hurt a lot my junior year so like i got hurt going into the year when i was supposed to start and then when I got back, I wasn't 100%. And but then, do you feel like that's because you still almost feel like you have something to prove or you, just, things could have turned out differently yeah. versus my thoughts on co- my college sports are I'm in so much chronic pain and I'm 27 and I'm going to need both of my hips and my knees replaced at some point from running. We should be focusing on sports in like a functional fitness and healthy way to actually convey the team dynamics or how it relates 
in our society to function outside of sports because teaching people how to get along with each other doesn't benefit anybody in a team atmosphere if they're not then using those skills to be good people off of the field Mm -hmm. and we want celebrityhood so much that your goal is to just play your sport professionally because the alternative is working in capitalism which sucks and that shouldn't be the case nope i guess that's what's more frustrating for me is that all the other guys that were also receivers when i played all had either shorts since the nfl or played or serious in canadian football Mm -hmm. like all the other every receiver my last two years at penn state every receiver that i played with me all either currently in the NFL making a lot of money or had a couple of years in the NFL or in Montreal making good money playing Canadian football. Yeah. Seeing, it wasn't like, hey, these top three guys made it to the NFL and then four, five, six, seven who were better than me didn't make it to the NFL. So I'm eight, so I'm so far from it. It's the fact that I got all the way up to the peak of my sport, but then still wasn't enough to break into the threshold of playing in the NFL. And I didn't, the fact that I didn't even try either. Mm-hmm. I didn't do my pro day just to have a shot at maybe making a special team or some shit. See, I just have no respect for professional sports other than as role models. And mm-hmm. more so as role models because children are often left to like their own devices to an extent. And sports are an outlet for people to get out their frustration, especially those in like use of households. So I see that value in being an athlete to me you're kicking a ball around a field even if it's encouraging other people if that's all you're spending your time doing i'm just not impressed by it yeah and i don't think enough of our professional athletes how many of them would do any of the volunteering if it wasn't required by this team Mm -hmm. all of that is just for pr they're not benefiting these communities they're only paying the people enough so that maybe if they don't go broke within a year they're setting their families up for life but then it's generational poverty takes so long to get through because it's all every single one of these communities is impoverished that these people are coming up from which is also why i view the nfl more as like modern day slavery it's It's not it's not 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 as many i wouldn't say as many percentage of players that because i know a lot of people in the nfl that didn't come from like truly impoverished now it's come because you know capitalism's kind of taking it way into it Mm because you can like afford camps and stuff so i do think it's kind of going the baseball route (laughs) baseball is super heavy all i want to say is these black guys need to start going to lacrosse that's what we should be we need to bring lacrosse to the south can uh, you picture yeah some of the athletes some of these men just just picture a white lacrosse team at maryland or something and put the lsu football team in pads it'd be free they would get jacked literally just lsu LSU receivers and and lacrosse is arguably to me way more enticing of a sport than football i think it's it's so cool to watch but that was one sport i never played that i regret i played polar cross which is like the epitome of white people shit because it's lacrosse on horses so it's not only do you have to be white enough to play lacrosse, but you also have to be white enough to ride horses and yeah. have horses to play lacrosse for, which are different types of horses because it's a more contact sport. So you can't use the same horses you use for dressage for lacrosse. Play different lacrosse horses. God, I sound... I didn't realize how weird my like childhood and family and stuff was. Too started speaking about it. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Now I'm just like, oh, okay. This is one more thing that is not normal. Cool.
<laughs> so next topic. We were going to segue into professional football, specifically in relation to concussion protocol. Mm -hmm. And now what we know about you know, coming from a medical background, CTE is a big deal. And you said earlier, we only learn about it post-mortem because uh, obviously we're not trying to do like ice pick lobotomies these days. We've gone away from them. We know that's not ethically correct. So we wait until people are dead and then we learn that their brains are basically mush after we've told them to use their heads as a battering ram over and over and over again for fun. Knowing what we know about that, it's really frustrating for me to even value it <laughs> mm -hmm. at all, which I, is not popular because I grew up playing football myself. I enjoy it myself. Mm -hmm. I understand what it's valued me as being like that bitch who played football, you know? mm -hmm. but I don't, I just, to, it doesn't hold the same value. I'm like, this is something that we created in the USA that only the USA plays. That, that we like, we glorize as high as we get. Like global domination, but we're playing a game that like. Yeah. And it's frustrating. I don't, I don't know if I can continue to support it culturally. And I hate that because I like the value of tradition, mm -hmm. and I like that it brings people together. And exactly. And that's why, like, I think football more than basketball is because you have a bigger team, so you have a wider array of people. Yeah. On a football team, it's one of the very few places. I mean, football coaches. You know, this isn't the football coach of me speaking, but it's one of the things people talk about all the time in our profession when they're like a raw raw speech to talk about how football is like the greatest team sport in the sense. So you have people from mm -hmm. so many different backgrounds, ethnicity, well, religion, it, race, it social economic status. Too. Very similar to how our economy and all of the made up jobs we've basically created as a result of living together as societies mm -hmm. specialize. Yeah. So you can be on all of these different teams. You can maybe only be very good in one minute aspect of the game, but you can practice that over and over and over again to mm -hmm. get great at it. So that even if that's the only thing you bring to the table, you're an irreplaceable part of the team, mm -hmm. which is a good value to have because everyone has different interests and everyone yeah. brings something different to the table. Mm -hmm. We can't have the same type of people in a larger team. Yeah. It doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Football is just people insane this time of the country is with so much, you know, there's so many civil rights protests and mm -hmm. marches and everything. With football locker room, you see people come from like so many different backgrounds and come together and still work their shit out on the field and can, and can like still do something together when they really have come from such different backgrounds. It's, I just, uh, it's a unique. I worry that it's teaching people that you need to sequester your emotions until you're in that game so, scenario. So, yeah, I understand that. And then you have to literally Shut fight up, or up. shove or tackle or push it yeah. down and Come like down use to, violence basically yeah and be a do a violent game and it's, it's one of the best vincent Barty's best quote he goes football is not a contact sport dance is a contact sport football is a collision sport yeah that's true and well that's what's so interesting about women's soccer is it's fairly less contact and you can use your body more but you really only have like slide tackling to employ you can't just straight on tackle somebody, which is also why I like it more than lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Also why I would never have played women's lacrosse because it's just running around with sticks. They just need to make women's lacrosse and men's lacrosse. Like, fuck the whole... Put on shoulder pads. I had to borrow my shoulder pads oh, here, from our youth team. Here, 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 here's not to get off topic, but here's a question I have for you because we were having this argument as a family the other night. 
What do you consider your threshold for being a sport? Because we're debating the difference between sports and highly skilled hobbies. So for example, the standpoint me and my mom stand by is that golf is not a sport. Golf is an extremely golf highly skilled hobby. hobby. Because my threshold for it is that the fact that as you age, if you cannot perform at the peak of your ability, yeah. as you get 10 years, 20, 30, 40 years older, it's not really... So bowling... If you can be a hell of a bowler at 30 and a hell of a bowler at 70, or you can be a hell of a golfer at 30, hell of a golfer so at 70. I'm so good at wee bowling, and it just does not translate does not in translate. real life. I need to play bumpers still. It's very disappointing. But regardless, those are not cheer, like cheerleading or dance where it's a highly skilled, and you actually have competitions, competitive, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I consider that to be more of a sport than golf, which probably a lot of people would find very controversial. But I'm like, it's the same with wrestling. Like, there's this a point system. The issue you have to compete against someone, and you get ranked upon that. This is kind of my issue with cheerleading. So cheerleading in the normal high school setting of just cheering for somebody else, I don't think is impressive at all. That's not a sport. No. You're just leading oh. a series of chants. But the competitive... Competitive like, cheerleading? That, that's what I'm saying, competitive my, cheerleading. So my mom would never let me do competitive cheerleading because she said I would turn out slutty. Jokes on her, because I turned out slutty without it. Yeah, so... <laughs> but... Good she, job, Mom. Yeah, good on you. Now I just repress all of my Christian guilt, and instead mm. I, you know, I don't act on it, but I'm definitely, like, mentally, I obviously have some hang-ups there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but competitive cheer, definitely a sport. Yeah, we got but so like, what, with what that. What was some of the other sports we were arguing, Joe? Well, dance is, from a yoga perspective, I think yoga is, that is a workout. If there was, I, if there was yoga competitions and there was a way to score it and hold yeah, different positions. But I wouldn't say it's a sport in the sense that it's competitive, though. I think there's kind of two routes. I view sports as something you can compete in and then something that you do for fitness. Mm. And... I put yoga and like dance into something you do for fitness. Even dance competitions are kind of arbitrary. Sure, you can have certain, it's kind of like gymnastics. You can have certain series of tricks, but you're not all doing the same tricks. Why would you? That would be boring. Mm. Should you be able to showcase your results and be graded? Yeah. Absolutely. Is Simone Biles the best gymnast in the country slash world? Absolutely. But she's not, she can do the same exact trick just as well as somebody else. You mm. know, she can just also do other tricks, these other tricks. Yeah. And so I think to me, it's sports are something that you're doing directly against somebody. That's what I typically view as a sport. So then does that mean sheer where you go at once and then someone else goes, you don't view that as much competition than rather you. When you're talking about a sport and you're talking about if you classify a sport as more of you going against someone at the same time. So yeah, so in running It's like boxing, you box someone. Run you run yeah, alongside running, someone. You run you have races against somebody. But I also come in and I'm like, okay, well What about gymnastics? So you don't go against someone. Like I said, unless you're doing the exact same routines, I think there's a subjective nature to it. I think also a good point of that is that like we're cheering. There's a sport and a highly skilled lobby. You say whether somebody actually scored a goal over the line, especially when you have replay and can take mm -hmm. a frame by frame. Yeah. And you know. Gymna that. Gymnastics is not, unless you're doing the same routine, who can do it yeah. better. It's impossible to have. But I understand that. Do I? That my, doesn't undermine the value or of the muscle control or the extent of athletic 
ability that it mm-hmm. takes. Absolutely not. Nor do I think it shouldn't. It should absolutely be an Olympic sport. It's hard as fuck. What? Gymnastics. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Let's also say there are also Olympic sports that like curling. But it's also. We, we can agree that curling like, is not really. So with the Athlete A documentary, when we were talking about it earlier, I don't think anyone who gets to that level has ever had a pleasant experience. In gymnastics, my best friend, her coach, was if you didn't break your ankle or your back... It's so abusive. You're, you don't talk about it. If it's something else, you just suck it up. And yeah. that... I broke three bones in my foot at that horse competition. Guess whose mom did not take her to the hospital for three days? Oh, okay. So what do you say at that level? My family, I get back far enough. You see that scar right there? Mm-hmm. On that side of the legs, it's like right there. So when I was in high school, it was my brother's graduation, and I was at a football practice beforehand, mm-hmm. and someone pushed me in the back, and I did like a somersault. Yep. And when I did, my leg like slammed against the ground. When that happened, like a rock got lodged in my leg. Oh, I like, have one of those scars Yeah, so like too. It, it cut, and then it was like deeper down in your leg. Also, I had a quarter I was like kind of bulging. That's insane. I fell on a quarter. That's insane. It was stuck in the ground, straight so, up, and I just oh, fell on it. It's my coolest scar. The, I also ran into a tree, so that's what the scar on my leg is. That one was caused by a fence. So the rock got lodged in it, and I called my parents, because I've had six years so many times, I know what it looks oh, like. Yeah. A cut looks like that's I deep enough and open wide enough. I think medicine is related to anything outside of the fact that I've needed yeah, <laughs> to so much have medicine. medical experience yeah, exactly. to be able to, you know, live. Yeah, I remember to call my dad and be like, Hey, I, I need to go to the hospital. I'm like, I need to get stitches. And my dad's like, no, we have to go to your brother's graduation first. We'll go to the hospital yeah. after. So I just sit through, remember, I said my high school graduating class, 750 fucking you kids. You might have had to wait that long in the Three ER. hours. Wait, three hours. Anyways. I know, but three hours. Oh my God. So I'm sitting there. My brother, Zanilato, we're the last name in the alphabet. I am... I like the would, fifth last out of hey, I would feel bad for you, except when I displaced my collarbone by two inches and I kept trying to play in my soccer game. I was in somebody else's car. My mom wasn't even there. I was over three hours away from home, had to ride in a car with my collarbone displaced by two inches. And I have little shoulders. That's a lot. <laughs> That is a lot. It was snapped in half and moved out of place yeah. by two inches. I now have half of a metal pin in it. Jeez. Because the pin broke off mid-surgery when they tried to remove it. I have great luck with my collarbones. Oh, my God. But I had a ride in a car, a bumpy-ass car, back with that going on. Do you think it was pleasant? Nope. No, it was no three means. hours. So you got to sit patiently through a graduation ceremony. Did you have throbbing pain the whole time? Yes. Do I feel bad for you? No. <laughs> I don't. But no, the so rock was there. And I didn't know the rock was in it. I uh-huh. just thought I got like a really deep cut somehow. Oh, yeah. So then it so, so, so you have to pull them out. No, no. Like what happened was like the nurse was washing it with this yeah. fluid with like, the bottle. Yeah. Now. And all of a sudden it just came tumbling out onto the table or the bucket yeah. or whatever. And I was, and she was like, oh, look at that. And I held up decently sized, almost the size like my pinky nail mm-hmm. sized rock. Oh, well, that's why I was bulging up. Neosporin's bad because. People overuse it a lot, and drug-resistant bacteria is a huge problem. It's like how we were talking about earlier when the Soviet Union disbanded in the 90s. We basically found out that their scientists were working on two different things for chimera viruses, which are combining 
antibiotic resistance with a viral component mm. to basically make a new bioterrorist agent. So that's why the issues with the U.S.'s response to coronavirus is so problematic because biochemical warfare is, was is, the is, next is, stage of warfare. And that's where we're at now. So now, like, oh, they're, now, now, now we're so far behind. we are going to purposely our weaknesses are neglect so... scientists and then flaunt the weaknesses as if it's cool. Yeah. As if not caring is cool. As and if, like, you're soft because you actually care about science and listen to science and care about other it's people. It's fucking like, annoying. It's this elitist mentality of Trump just well, no, because it's, it's we've the, made... No, it's because of the fact that our fucking founding country had the fucking audacity to say that, oh, these are our freedoms and no one can take this from us. And, well, like, people like, think freedom for liberty means freedom, or for freedom death. from accountability. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it's... the misinformation spread... I'm sorry, you should be censored if you're spreading misinformation and you have a platform of influence. Yeah. That's not against your freedoms. I do not understand that. And if the information that you are spreading leads to harm. You're Trump and you're you're talking about stuff, you know, COVID isn't actually yeah. that bad and it's leading to more people getting COVID and more people dying. Just makes me then realize like, how stupid Then there, there's, the a, there's a right to, there's a right to basically put a disclaimer and saying like this is not truthful. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I, why that's why I only care like on TikTok where the people say oh it'll be like if anyone talks about the election or whatever it says like if for more information about the elections has a little eye down yeah. that you can go somewhere I don't know it's just so hard these days to get bipartisan news mm-hmm. to get information that's like not completely one like tilted one way or the other. Well, that's the thing is well I will say that I'm super radical and so on a global stage I'm not. In fact, probably because of my military family, I'm willing to try and work towards moderation more so as especially as far as our military is involved because in the u.s we do use our military almost very like our colonialist expansive past we have footholds every country in the world is this proper (laughs) probably not have we sequestered ourselves into an endless generation of war after war because we just let presidents make arbitrary decisions to benefit oil companies yeah. and our capitalist economy and then just want to keep these countries stupid enough and in endless wars it's like, themselves it's, it's, so that what, they're not what, what, smart what's enough scary, to what scares me, look at us? What scares yeah. me is that, you know how like, as we get older and we look back on... So it's a so. scary that, reality. That, that's what I'm so scared about. I understand about. why people don't want to address it. 100%. What's, what's concerning for me is that we find out stuff about past presidencies all the time. Yeah. Just information leaking over time, right? See, I've find never out. been around like top secret security so you know, yeah, you know, people, exactly. so, so you I've know, always known, known to be suspicious of it. Yeah, exactly. I've always known to understand the indiscretions behind the scenes. The, behind the decisions and understand like, how lack yeah. of a how much yeah. power players actually influence real decisions. I don't decisions. know why people ever didn't think that way. Or exactly. why they're oh, content to live naively. Think about like how we look back on the GW administration. Mm-hmm. During the time of it, the decisions they made didn't seem as crazy or the bad decisions didn't seem as bad. Over time, when people start to reflect it and start going in the history books, then people take a, even another magnifying glass through and see how bad it is the well i'm so afraid is that of. educated people are able to assess and predict how negative it is because history does repeat itself and educated people are the only ones who are looking at that field from an educated perspective with having all of this knowledge from all these different sources come together and be worked into what is 
the closest resemblance to the mm. truth that you can get because you know truth is somewhat subjective to mm. an extent and educated people can sit there and say this is exactly why we couldn't handle coronavirus like this like this is why it's problematic what no one talks about is like the cyber hack that has now been discovered through nobody Holy has talked shit. about half of this shit nobody's talking about the fact that trump is not gonna leave peacefully I sit there and I'm anxious all the time. I don't blame you because legitimately... That we're going to be set up for another kind of attack. I'm, we're opening all the doors for something to happen bad. I'm, the thing is that like he, he is has nothing else to lose because he knows he's fucked the yeah, second he's he, out. Yeah. Which That's why he's is pardoning all these people and trying to help himself. problematic to yeah. me. And he's pardoning war criminals. Yeah, seriously. He's pardoning war criminals and, and did, selling did, Saudi did, Arabia did, did, bombs. And did, and did, he did it in the middle of Christmas so that yeah, people yeah. are not going to cover it because people don't want to be disturbed from Christmas. Yeah. The economy only got back on track because of the holidays, because mm -hmm. of Christian holidays. That's it. And people it's because of consumerism mentality. Yep. And they use that as an excuse to not give people aid, which is the most annoying part. People, instead of just striking and not going to work and being like, this is unsafe. We know it's unsafe. You don't care about our livelihood. They our lives are not worth $10 an hour and the inability to provide for ourselves yeah. as with a full-time job. And instead, they've convinced people that nobody will care about you. Mm -hmm. And in reality in our society apparently nobody will people in florida texas and tennessee sure as hell aren't no and it's embarrassing it's frustrating because i have a lot of friends from there i know a guy from grad school who i used to think was so hot who played he was our punter for florida's team he has flown to and from Texas to Florida at least four times this pandemic. He's flown to Mexico. He's flown to the Dominican Republic. He's taken his boat all over the Caribbean. And it's fucked up. And he posts about it. After the George Floyd murder, he posted the next day. How fucking much of a bubble do you have to be in? He posted the next day about... Even though 2020 has been difficult for some people, I'm just so grateful for everything that I have. Jesus. I was like, how tone deaf do you have to be? I've never been more turned off by a person. Just, over like, I, over like two I've sentences? I've just unfollowed so many. And I know that people are not happy with my rants because obviously they're not very popular and they make people feel bad about their own decisions. I get it. It's not fun to have your shit called out that's like so much what i deal with and why like, i keep it like very bluntly honest with my players any of my players respect me so much more because i tell them the cold hard truth yeah like, so much of what i dealt with as a player and then sometimes as a coach is seeing people that feel like, like their players don't see through it like we talked about earlier like that kids aren't intuitive in high school and definitely in college Kids are very intuitive and they perceive They're a lot so more than you, you think, think they do, but they don't process it at that time. So your influence is almost more important because mm -hmm. and it's going to shape the way that they're thinking the rest of their life and how they frame those interactions. Exactly. And that's why like, I love being a coach so much because seeing kids grow and mature. Like, I have a new, very newfound, it's, like newfound. Well, it's driving. It's a purpose for mm -hmm. you. It's meaningful. Yep. And, and you know that you're helping it. That is the aspect of sports that I like. 
the relationship I have with one of my players now that not only plays for me at this one school, but transferred to the school from the school I used to coach at. Mm-hmm. So he's been my player at two different schools. And oh, like, and they what, followed you? Yeah. And That's cool. Do you worry, though, that they are not prioritizing their education that way? So no, that's... no, no, because this kid, if he didn't have me to look out for him, he would never have f- finished his degree at that last school. He was a kid that like, has come from such a difficult upbringing in the sense that his dad's never been in his life, his mom's mom is, like, in and out of prison his entire life, and his older brother's bipolar, and, or sorry, schizophrenic. point, because in, an issue with teachers being mostly women is that Kids in these underprivileged schools or lower socioeconomic status usually have strong female role models. Mm-hmm. So they usually, because teachers are yeah, predominantly exactly. female, they generally lack strong male role models that they see themselves as. Mm-hmm. But like many, when I first met him, you want to talk about a roller coaster? This kid was ineligible. We had to take class in the summer. Mm-hmm. He dropped the ball at the very end of the first set of summer classes. So you don't know how most of the schools in like the predominantly low, so Maryland's hugely gerrymandered. It is almost, <laughs> the area I'm from, just my county, is horribly, it's the epitome of the USA as a whole, but in a small setting. It's almost like a small bubble or some science experiment or something in like Divergent. <laughs> <laughs> But none of the kids who are so talented at those schools would be able to go because there's so many fights and it's so unsafe that there's no way they could get passing grades. They've never been taught to value their education. Mm. I went to one of only 10 and mine was the only predominantly white high school. It was also obviously the richest with the most resources and the best turnout for college. Mm. Pretty much how it happens. Redlining 101, you know. All of, there's so many talented kids who are not playing sports because they were never taught to value sports. They had to get jobs from a young age in high school so that they could help support their families yeah. or pay for their it's own just, things. It's such, it's such a different upbringing. It's such a different... They never even had the opportunity to like have the time to value sports. So that's what's hard for me to sit there and say we place way too much value on it. As I like what it does. I just don't think that we as a society focus on the good that it does mm-hmm. over just the brute, oh, caveman, we can fucking throw a ball. Yeah. It's like Shania Twain that don't impress me much. I just The bar is pretty low already. Do you think you would let your kids play football or would you want them to focus on another sport? It would probably depend upon how, if science can really get ahead of how violent the game is somehow. I don't think I'd let them play football in any if, scenario. If I felt the science... I just don't think I'd have them do compet- like competitive sports. I, I, I would just because it gave me so much and... If they're think, competitive like me, oh, that's one thing. Yeah, yeah, if I had a kid that was like completely against sports and found no joy in it, that I wouldn't force it on them. Yeah, but running is also very different because it's like... Very individual. <laughs> well, cross-country in high school is all the nerdy people who are not cool at all, and it's theater geeks who have ADHD even more so and need to just direct their energy somewhere. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it was in my high school life. <laughs> it was like all the kids who were really no, that, into that, Star that, that Wars. That was pretty accurate. That was accurate for ours, too. He was all that in college a little bit, too. 
Yeah, this, a little bit, not much. Well, I always liked the distance runners too, which was just because I was a distance runner, so I had what's what was called speed goggles, <laughs> which is bad because there's this guy named Craig who is such a douche in the professional running circuit, and I still think he's hot and it's annoying. Cool, I know how much work it takes to get to that level because I've you know not gotten to that level obviously, but like I ran eighty five miles a week at one point. Yeah, sure. I had to fucking do a lot of work. So I sit there and I see the work that goes into it and that's what's impressive to me, not their status. And I don't think that's the norm for what people look at. They're just like money. They're like money, money, celebrity. Uh Uh-huh. You don't have any chronic pain yourself? No, I definitely do. That's what's probably most concerning for me is I'd be lying if I said I wasn't severely concerned about how CTE and how that stuff's going to affect me. My brother's had like, multiple I, head traumas. Outside. So with baseball, he got hit in his orbital mm-hmm. by a line drive. Once in high school, wooden bat travel ball league, he got drilled in the eye with a baseball. Yeah, just like shattered his orbital. That's so, that's he has also flipped off of the back of a tailgate at a Kenny Chesney concert after like a South Carolina football game and hit his head on the little ball of the truck. Yeah. Then he sold his ticket, somehow made it to the ER and they did concussion protocol and everything, went back to the concert, which... From a medical perspective, I'm like, you have a concussion and you go to a loud concert. That's the worst thing you could it's ever do. It's horrible. Yeah. And then I also sit there and he's flipped the ATV in the front yard and gotten a concussion doing that. And I go, okay, I also like true crime and I'm really scared because he has erratic behavior towards me, which is part of why I don't have a very close relationship to them because he goes periods where he really hates me and then he really doesn't hate me. Which version of you am I getting today? And I'm worried that multiple head traumas are related to increased incidence of violence. Well, should we even be encouraging anything related to head trauma at all in mm-hmm. our society? Mm-hmm. Probably not. I'm never like quick trigger by any means. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, when I, when I hear people like that, hey, hey, girls, I'm like, even at my absolute like, angriest, I but, know I, I know I could never go there. People do that because it's been ingrained into oh, exactly. That's, into them. Yeah. And they also with CTE do it because their brains literally turn to mush. Yeah. That's and what, that's they what lose it's that's, like geriatric patients in nursing homes can be so violent and it's an aspect of nursing that we don't address. Now, now, here, now here's my question though. So I don't know how much you've looked into CTE, but I've heard that they say the worst cases are not in the ones that are like the huge hits, like the highlight reel, like somebody gets like knocked out. It's it's like the offensive linemen that have a hundred small car crashes. They look like linemen only crashes. live to be fifty three. That's, that's, that's my question. Is I just looked into it, but is there any correlation between skill positions that have it's higher velocity but lower quantity? Yeah, it's just not wide scale enough to be able to quantify. I would love to personally like, if, e- data if like, ESPN hired me. This is just what I want to do with writing. I just want to be able to address some problematic aspects of our culture, but in a way that's okay. Now that we've learned how bad it is, how can we shape this in a way that's working towards progress? But 
in doing that, I refuse to do things like conflate numbers for Ron DeSantis or something like that, you know? Like how he just raided that data scientist's house. That so is casual, not right? the way to get progress. You no. have to have transparency even if it is so pathetically awful. So like, so like, women in this country are already aware of how abysmal the options are, especially women in STEM. All we want is transparency, communication, and working towards a common goal. I don't understand why our society is so against that in any realm. I understand it will topple some of your favorite traditions. That has been what has happened to me with Christianity and growing up and now being like atheist slash agnostic slash spiritual, but against organized religion. Is it fun to do it? No. Yeah. It is really challenging as a person, and does it make you cynical? Mm-hmm. Yes. However, I'm not really cynical. I'm just realistic and logical, and the USA has not typically led with logic. We can no longer afford to not outwardly lead with logic. Mm-hmm. It has just harmed our reputation on a global stage. We set a standard. It's it's the age of spin, and it's, like, so detrimental. We're in such a political world now. You can just outright fucking lie. Yeah. Like, not like, I enjoy watching. The one was Kamala versus Pence. Where Trump would tell outward fucking bold-faced lies. Mm -hmm. Pence is just as evil, but Pence is at least a politician where he's going to try to spin things to sound beneficial when they're really not. See, I just, I don't even care about giving people a platform when they are like that. I don't think we should. I don't think we should entertain it. I don't understand how every single day passes and this man is in custody for national security concerns. I don't get it. I'm personally very confused. I don't think that's out of the realm or unrealistic or being dramatic at all. When I made my Hitler versus Trump article, people sat there and this is so dramatic. You're being Conflated. silly. It's basically. like, no, these are cold hard No, these, this is literally factual evidence presented to you of exactly how he is identical to Hitler, how he is openly basing his regime to that. All Trumps. And Trumpers. Sure. I'm tired of it being seen as radical to present these globally very moderate views mm-hmm. that all I'm trying to do are keep us from dooming ourselves to eternal war and then destroying our planet destroying to, a our our planet to the point where for what so that you can have a slightly. certain bikini that is coming from an unsustainable line when we have so much plastic that they could just freaking hire engineers to figure out how to turn into clothing that's what we should be doing that's why we should be focusing on STEM is not just, you know, for a typical like government war. We should be doing things like using it to come up with sustainable industries or new sources of energy or even our stupid SpaceX expeditions. I am annoyed because I think we invest a lot of energy into technology for surveillance and use that to ignore things within our own countries. Because we are constantly like, oh, well, we're not a developing nation. Okay, it's the somebody always has it worse mentality. All right, that's used to not address cycles of abuse. (laughs) Just because somebody has it worse doesn't mean we should just accept it. Yeah. You should be working towards progress. Mm -hmm. Your baseline should change. That should be normal. 
I just, I don't understand why that's so controversial. And I don't think I ever have because I've never been a popular sentiment. <laughs> when I was younger, I didn't understand why I was so annoyed with humanity. And now that I'm getting older, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Like I studied oncology because of the tobacco farming. Then I studied PTSD and concussion protocol and everything like that because of how it ties into me. So I went to UNC for my undergrad, which is a big basketball school. It's in the ACC conference. Mm -hmm. Then I went to Florida for two years for my graduate program. Florida's an SEC school. It's a huge, huge football school because Tim Tebow went there and it's SEC, obviously. But it was really big in basketball when I was there too. So the yeah, one year here. Florida and UNC were in the final four, which was cool because so was South Carolina, which was my sibling school. Mm -hmm. So that was a great year for college basketball for me. <laughs> and you went to a big 10 school, mm -hmm. obviously, that was football dominant. How do you think your school's culture towards drinking is kind of different because it's football heavy? I think part of it, because football only plays on Saturdays, so at basketball you have 30 plus games and they're played all throughout the week, so like to go to a basketball school, you're not going to go out on a Tuesday to watch the basketball game and go party and go to class the next day. When it's a football prevalent school, A, the students, the student body that goes to the games, for example, Penn State student section is like twenty to 25,000 students. Mm -hmm. 20,000 students is more than mo most basketball arenas can even fill. I don't think there's really any that are over 20,000. I think they're more in the 15 to 20s. UNC is 21,000, actually. Excuse me. Excuse me. Ding dong. Excuse me. There are ones that can fit over 20,000. But, but regardless, the football just being like, it's on a weekend every time you go to tailgate. And it's, is it it's, always a weekend in the Northeast? Or a Big Ten? Big Ten's always on the weekends. They like they sometimes do Fridays. Max does Wednesdays. traveling is so much further? No. Right. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, like, not... Because, like, eh. night games, ever so often, were a big deal. If UNC got a night game, it was for, huge. For football? Yeah. Yeah, no. Because in ACC, you only get them if you're really... I mean, it's every conference. You <laughs> only get night games. Good. You only get night games if you're a top-tier team. We try. We try. UNC's... No, you guys are very... Really, no, we're this really year, smart, you this know? This year... UNC's coming this year. Mac Brown, come on. His yeah, but like... I'm of the firm belief that we should not have college sports at all this year. So we're Very not... true. I've been boycotting. Okay. okay. My point being, like, football, like, it's one event. It's one event a week uh -huh. on a weekend where everyone can get absolutely shit-faced and have a time to recover Sunday. So, like, tailgating and then partying yeah, after games. True. And having an event where 107,000 people come. You said I'm Schmack was big when you were in school, too. Yeah, like, I'm Schmack came to Penn State multiple times and, like, would come during day-long season, during tailgate season, and... That was the other thing that like was big in the springtime of the year. It's so, been like, weird watching the barstool growth mm -hmm. since Caleb Presley went to UNC and was our football team's hype man. Which I'm gonna be honest, I was always told might have just been college gossip that he is a little more special because of CTE. I think it's relevant. I so that, that that's was, unfounded. Was, so he was one that started Barstool. That's purely gossip. But I'm asking, was he the one that founded Barstool? Caleb is the white guy with the long hair who does all the really funny segments. He who he is like that is basically who he is as a person. He is just that like creatively neurodivergent. Mm -hmm. 
he was not like actually he didn't play play for our team but he was basically our hype man and now he helps headline barstool yeah so it's interesting to what i mean i'm sure i could ask like seven of my friends but i don't like to exploit them for information that's like not it's cool. just even as i interview you for a podcast <laughs> as, yeah, that is. It's, I'm not profiting. Oh no, no, here, no, here, no, here. Tell yet. me if you've heard this question. That's like the pot calling the kettle black. Mm-hmm. I worry with the trends in barstool culture. Going back to more frat boy culture, like having more toxic, more toxic meat. It's toxic masculinity. It's hard because celebrities are not supposed to be responsible for what their fans do. When you're talking about Twitter. Even Rihanna gets in Twitter fights with her fans because they'll demand stuff from her. And she's, I don't answer to you guys. I'm living on free time, baby. Like, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. But then Beyonce's fans have one bad thing said against Beyonce, which... And and they fucking lose their shit. They lose their shit. shit. And it's like an army, basically, of of cyberbullying. Yeah, you cannot... And so now that cyberbullying is more on the forefront... It's funny how that's acceptable during that circumstance, but otherwise it's like like that yeah. large-scale of cyberbullying. But no, but it's, it's amplified because that's how Trump people are now. Yeah, and that is thing. how Trump people are, and that's how the bullying, like, football coach mentality of Dave Portnoy, honestly, leading the... Bar- he's the face of Barcelona. I know, I know, I know yeah. right. He's the president. El Presidente. Yeah. And it's really cool because I understand he's the dream for men. All he has to do is care about drinking, college football, and eating different pizza. The goal. Sure, I I get why you guys like him. And I get why somebody like Joe Rogan is inspirational for people. Because of picking yourself up when you're down. Because of the patriarchy, you know, like life's got you down. I get that. Respectively, I don't really watch... Hmm. either i definitely don't listen to joe rogan good the only time joe rogan comes across my youtube feed is when it has a dish bell on it good because i dish bell which i honestly, wonder you, if which, that's which, because you're from a family of intellectuals that could be it <laughs> you for someone like i know you are not supporting male artists in today's time but dave Chappelle, you would like because how much you like to or like i said earlier like you're not i support like, male like artists. I said, now that i'm finally having the time to figure out who i am and i'm separating it from kind of my upbringing a little bit more mm-hmm. and i'm relearning what i actually believe even I about think you like him because he, what he projects are a lot of some of your same views and he i just take and he, to he life the same way i take to science so for me our default is white male and heteronormativity. Just from like a scientific perspective, I like to wipe kind of the slate clean and approach every issue like I would an unbiased scientist, <laughs> which I guess is apparently what poli is. We don't do that, and I think that's the reason why it's related to our cultural repression, mm-hmm. and that's why we have so many issues, why people have so many midlife crises. We sell this idea that life is supposed to be constant and predictable and simple and it's not Mm -hmm. and that is the american dream we sell which doesn't make any sense we literally sell the idea that hopefully you won't have to work because our work environment is so shitty Mm -hmm. that's pathetic we shouldn't have to give people an escape from reality in the wealthiest country in the world that shouldn't be your goal. Your goal should be to change the workforce and society and to a place that you actually enjoy living in. Yeah, right. 
I was trying to find that clip earlier today, but... And influence it's matters. Not, His influence, even in those scenarios, does matter to that. You're, what, Dave Chappelle? No, David Portnoy. He creates an environment where men then use it to continue misogynistic views towards women. Yeah. And to be a bully or the football yeah. coach mentality of just tearing into people and screaming well, hey, at them. Hey, I will say that that football coaching mentality has is working its way out of coaching, which you'd be happy to hear because part of the reason, like my generation coaches and like people that believe like me, hey, I, I keep it very honest with my players, good, bad, and other way. Like, I'm like, look, like it's like, like in Breaking Bad. You know how Saul he says he doesn't believe fear to be a effective an effective motivator. Mm-hmm. Fear is never an effective motivator. You shouldn't no. be harnessing someone feeling no, so low about themselves that exactly. you bully them into feeling like they, well, like, they it's, just it's, need it's, to suck it's, it up it's, and it's, fight well, to the death for their work. Look, if I have to motivate you to want to do this, like that isn't going to be for you. Yeah. You have to be very self-motivated because we're only allowed a certain amount of time to interact with you guys and you guys got to take advantage of all the time you have. I keep it like 100 with them to the point where... I can't believe you just said you keep it 100. Oh, stop. That's how you know you can coach, coach college age yeah. kids. Yep. They respect it more when mm-hmm. I keep it honest with them. I'm not going to BS you. I'm like, I'm going to tell you this is why I feel this way. And like, if you disagree with my conclusion, then fine. Which is a cultural change. Mm-hmm. But... Well, it's, it's also like the authoritarian, mm-hmm. my way of the highway. So like the old belief yes. that we were raised on... This is my coaching style. You bend to my will. Mm-hmm. If you can't bend to my will, then you're getting the fuck off this team. Because... Or, you, or you won't succeed in the same level. Exactly. So, so it's like, for women, it's if you had to starve yourself for track, that was the only way you were going to get good enough to yeah. compete at that level. Yeah. And that was, that was the norm. And so, so there's so much unhealthy behavior that's perpetuated just over and over again because, again change generational and we do harness sports in a way that you make know, it that, that we, unhealthy yeah we make it that unhealthy and then we have literally professional athletes well just my, because we care so much about the olympics my bigger issue you we talk about the nfl concussion protocol they are way more willing to give their athletes like opioid prescription and give them hooked on opioids and then when they stop playing, they're now addicted to opi- like you know, heavy painkillers. But God, but you know, it's illegal for them to do like a healthy pain tolerance so of marijuana. So like God forbid you like allow them to actually like yeah. not smoke marijuana, but just take it, you know, edibles or something just to chronic deal pain. with their pain, deal with their chronic pain rather than heavy, heavy pain meds. Just be able to play at that level, and then they leave the NFL after a year or two or three, four years. Now they're burning through their money like water because trying to fuel that addiction. And because they've never at any point been told to value things other than monetary gain. Yeah. And so that was seen because financial insecurity is so prevalent that just the opportunity to have money and be comfortable is such a far off goal that then people don't know what to do with it when they have it and they blow through it. And it's this allure Part of the reason is because they don't get paid, like, like if you sign Tyler used to get, when I was living with Tyler, when he was playing for the Raptors in Toronto, he, I was living in his apartment when he was in Canada, which was great. He gets taxed in every single state that he plays in for the NBA. So he gets taxed in every single state he plays in. His, like, $3 million contract would get, go down to $1 million after taxes. Which 
he can live completely comfortably on that, but he's not rolling in the dough. Hold all on. of these people oh, who are like shit. flashing all this money and stuff are the top end. Are the top end, and then, like I said, flashing wealth doesn't impress me. And maybe it's because I come from generational military wealth, where your wealth is solely related to your accomplishments and physical accomplishments, basically. And you wear uniforms, so flashiness of your clothing is non-existent to me. I I never cared about seeking out my own personal style outside of athleisure Mm. because it just wasn't important to me. I didn't need that to define who I was. Mm I understand why some people do and like why they feel so much freedom in expressing themselves that way. I just, I, I'm not overly impressed by it personally. I see like you talked about wealth. Well, like for me, like money from, talks and wealth whispers. The family that I babysit for that works for the Obama administration, they don't talk about that, don't right. talk about that stuff. You, I didn't even know. It wasn't until we got to France and we're staying in these chateaus that I even realized like, how wealthy they were, which is yeah, that naivety on my part, probably, because I'm just not nosy. So if I'm like in somebody's space, I respect it. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm not impressed by people who are flashing money on their Snapchats and like, how many men will do that and then like, slide in my DMs and think it's impressive. So it's embarrassing. So it's embarrassing. what I was gonna say it's is, um, I had this conversation with someone the other day where having played football at a level like Penn State and having so many teammates be on NFL teams, knowing people that have gone off to become yeah. professional athletes, I don't know if you relate to this, but like for me, unless you're the 1% of professional athletes, like a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or something like mm-hmm. that level of player, if I just meet a normal NFL player, it's not really a big deal because I have so many friends I play with that are also at that level. Well, the dream so like, is just to be able to play a sport, to be able to be active for your job, yeah, and to do something that you actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. And we make it so hard to find positions that you enjoy or to have a job that balances your work home and, life yeah. in a way so you can enjoy the downtime you have and not be physically exhausted or yeah. just have a but few like, hours before sleep what's crazy is seeing people like high level personal athletes that's not impressive to me but seeing like celebrities if it was like a Leonardo DiCaprio Brad Pitt or like mm-hmm. a famous actor that's way cooler to me people from entertainment because it's something that I can't You're identify like, with crowd. yeah that I can't identify with because I can never imagine doing what like a Will Smith or yeah. Tom Hanks or that's Denzel Washington does on the screen it's I can never <laughs> I could never get into acting. I'm just like, not confident exactly. enough. Exactly. And then also people I that hate, have, that I sing. record these once through and then I might listen to them back just to cut out like random pauses or something mm-hmm. like that. But I cannot imagine being that big. I'm way too introverted for it. I'm uncomfortable enough about even putting my voice mm-hmm. on a podcast. And I'm like, oh, I can't imagine your whole persona everything about like, your identity yeah. and then it's like your public. identity being malleable for the perception of others because i'm so adamant about like, being myself i could not ever imagine being able to step outside of yourself enough to where you actually can invest time playing other characters yeah it's an interesting theory i wonder if i would have had less trauma if like, i would be more into it but now I'm just like, oh, my own story is interesting enough. It's too much like a movie. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. <laughs> Thanks for talking. Yeah, of course. Thanks for agreeing to be on it.
Again, that was Matt Sanilato. He was a wide receiver at Penn State University. His freshman year was the same year the Jerry Sandusky Joe Paterno debacle broke in the news. I just want to thank him again for being on. I'm sure he'll be back because, I don't know, like Britney Spears warned us about toxic behavior being appealing. And we talk about a lot of weird shit on here, so it should be pretty fun. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation and insight to some of my friends. And I hope you have a great day. Please rate me five stars since this is a new podcast and I'm pretty sure it's just my own review on there. So it'd be a little less embarrassing if you guys would just give me five stars, please. (laughs) All right, have a good day.